Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. We help you get your business to the levels you want to be at so you can live the small business life. And that's Wired to Change with the number two. We would ask you uh, uh, happily to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast uh, on all major podcast platforms. And so we appreciate all the help as we grow a small business with you. All right, Trinity, today we're talking about overcoming fear and procrastination. And these are two things people are very, very uncomfortable talking about. They are. I think that this is just a great follow-up from our last podcast. Hopefully you all listened to our interview with Samantha Samantha Strazanek, who was on, and we talked all about failure and how she overcame many episodes of failure within her um, long career and how it's helped her to become ultra successful now in what she does. People really don't want to talk about fear, and they truly don't want to admit that they procrastinate. (laughs) true and true coach mike true and true what got us to this was a couple of weeks ago we were at your wine and wisdom event talking about this very subject and wine and wisdom is a networking event that we host once a month this is from a book so um there's a couple of principles that we're going to discuss today one is the four c's formula by dan sullivan there's another book by Dan Sullivan that I absolutely love called The 80% Approach, and we're going to talk about both of those today. Well, you know the 80-20 rule shows itself all the time, especially when people talk about their numbers. So that's different. So the 80% Approach is different than the Pareto oh, Principle, oh, which is the 80-20 rule, but we're going to talk about that too. Okay, gotcha. Right, yeah, we're, we're going we're to fit so much stuff in this <laughs> podcast, people's head are going yeah. to be spinning. So first, I wanted to share something that is deeply personal to myself. People will tell me, oh, you're fearless. Oh, you know, you're just willing to do things that no one else is willing to do. Um, You're so organized. You're so this, you're so that. There are a couple of things that help me maintain that image and get those things done in life. Because Trinity, it actually is technically correct. It's technically correct, but I have a lot of systems and processes and things that I tell myself in place to make those things happen. So when it comes to being ultra organized and efficient and And on top of things, I have my database that I use. I have um, systems in place that remind me. I'm very big on keeping my calendar updated and my contact notes updated and all these things. So I don't have a lot of that taking up space in my brain so I can handle bigger problems and issues as they arise. And that allows me to spend a lot of time fixing problems, which if somebody asked me what I do for a living, I'd say, well, I probably spend 90% of my time fixing other people's issues, whether it's through coaching or whether it's in real estate. I'm really dealing with people when they're not always at their best. And that includes a lot of hard conversations. It includes doing things that um, most people would shy away from, that they would procrastinate from. And I have what I call the Trinity principle. It's a thing that I ask myself whenever I have to do something hard. And if you have a pen and paper right now, you're probably going to want to write this down because you're going to chuckle. But whenever I am faced with something that is super difficult, the first thing I ask myself to put things in perspective is, can it kill me? (laughs) And if it can't kill me, then now it's just a measure of figuring out, well, really, what is the worst that can happen? And that's the second question I ask myself is what's the worst that can happen 
when I do this. So the first question to ask yourself is, can it kill me? And if it can't kill you, then guess what? You really, there's not a whole lot of risk. So if I have to pick up the telephone and make a phone call to a client that I know they're not going to be excited to hear from me, and I'm feeling that, you know, sense of dread in my stomach and I don't want to do it, or it's a piece of bad news that I have to deliver to another agent. I'm like, is this conversation going to kill me? No, dummy. Okay. What's the worst that can happen? Well, they're going to feel upset for a few seconds. What are they upset about? They're upset about the situation, not me. Okay. Now, so why are you afraid to do it? Well, because I'm going to have to deal with listening to them being upset until they figure out that they're upset the situation, not me. Okay. Then I make the phone yeah. call. So it's just a matter of walking myself through those couple of questions and starting it out with asking myself, can it kill me? Puts it into freaking perspective that it's really not that big of a deal. But in our minds, that fear can sometimes paralyze us as much as it would if I was jumping out of an airplane without a parachute strapped to my back. I would imagine in the real estate world, a lot of those issues were self-inflicted or things that they chose not to do. The good advice you gave them, they chose not to do. Yeah. I mean, things, things pop up and happen all the time that are just out of our control. And usually because I'm the intermediary between all these parties, I'm the one that's delivering the bad news. I also get to deliver the good news, but it could be in any business. If you have, you know, a disgruntled client that wasn't happy with the job and you have to now call them and deal with the blowback from that. When you have to fire an employee, I can think of nothing um, worse than how I felt the first time I had to fire someone. Yep. I was terrified. I was terrified because it was an unknown situation and I wasn't sure how they were going to react. And I felt sick to my stomach. I didn't want to do it, but I sat down and I said, can this kill you? No, it's not going to kill you. You're fine. They're not going to put a gun at your head. There's nothing catastrophic that's going to happen from this conversation other than the fact that you're going to be in a little bit of discomfort for a little bit. And what's the worst that happened? They get mad at you. Well, they're fired. So you're not going to need to see it. And, you know, I start working myself through the situation down until the point where when I finally figure out what's the worst that can happen, I realize, you know, the worst thing that can happen is not as scary as I originally made it out to be. And that helps me get over the hump and just get right into taking action. When it's going back to your conversation with a client, the the conversation usually ends up nowhere near as bad as you think it is in your brain before you start. A hundred percent. Yes. Well, most times. Again, most every, times. Yeah. Every once in a while, oh, yeah. you run into something that turns out way worse than you had. And that's why we have fear in the first place. Mm -hmm. One of the things that freaks me out most in life and my loving husband is going to crack up is when I get in my car and I see a little spider web across the windshield because I know where there's a spider web, there's a spider. There's a spider. Mike's just <laughs> grinning at me right now, like the Cheshire cat over there. And my fear is always, what? how big is the spider? So I'll be driving and I'm just like waiting. I know that that sucker is going to pop out at some point. Wait, the spider scare. web is inside? Yes, it's inside my car. And I know that if there's a spider web inside my car, that means at some point I'm going to be driving down the road and that spider is going to make an appearance 
And I don't know how big or scary or hairy that spider is going to be. And the unknown of that spider is almost enough to make me not want to drive my car because I'm terrified that it's going to pop out and it's going to be this like tarantula or something. And I'm going to crash my car because I'm terrified of spiders. Then on the on Scott's honeydew list for the weekend, just dust out your car. Well, dusting, out, dusting yeah. out the car does not get rid of the spider that's Agreed. living somewhere in the car. He's going to have to bomb that thing. He could, yeah. Yeah. But what my whole spider story. Yes, you're getting. Yeah. So, <laughs> but think of it as oh, no, if the spider the web yeah. Yeah. is like something that we're afraid of because we don't know what's on the other end of that spider can't web. See the it spider, could be yeah. You can't see the spider. It could <laughs> yes. be a tiny, teeny little yeah. spider or it could be a big, hairy spider scary spider yeah. and we don't know which is which for me it's kind of like flying through the clouds hope their radar is good right yeah because they cannot see shit Can't in front of them it. yes let's talk about the difference between these two 80 percent rules so okay. the first 80 percent rule is the pareto principle which we've talked about a lot on this show. That's your 80-20% principle where 20% of your results, or sorry, 80% of your results come from 20% of the work or mm -hmm. effort that you put out. And folks, if you will track your clients for the last calendar year, you'll find out that that is pretty dang close. Yes. And, and the, where they came from. And it's the same thing in eating and diet and exercise and business. The Pareto principle has been studied. It is a phenomenon that applies to everything um, in our lives. And it's really interesting how once you boil everything down, you can stop focusing on a bunch of crap that is distracting you from overcoming your fear and procrastination because half of procrastination is not knowing what you need to do and feeling like you're overwhelmed and you just have too many things to do. So if you look at the Pareto principle and figure out, well, what, where should I be spending my time? What's the 20% that I need to be focusing on and then just get rid of the other 80% of what you shouldn't be doing because half of our time we spend doing crap that we shouldn't be doing in the first place. Yes, it's non-revenue generating. Yes. So that's the first rule. Any thoughts on that rule? Oh, no. I've We've seen it. Work, we worked with a client one day. Uh, they found out uh, uh, most of their mortgage loans came from their top five realtors. Yep. And until you put it on paper, you don't know. You, you think it's like, well, I know I get a lot from them. But then you put it on papers like, dang, just the top dang. five. Right. What yeah. happens if you actually go out and schmooze and meet with and take care of and coddle that top five? Now, all of a sudden, your business doubles, triples, mm -hmm. quadruples. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you're doing it in a lot less time. Mm -hmm. So my second 80% rule is actually called the 80% approach. I love um, The Strategic Coach and books by Dan Sullivan. This is a tiny book by Dan Sullivan called The 80% Approach. And one of the reasons that people procrastinate is because we have a fear of perfection. We are afraid that if it's not perfect, mm -hmm. we don't want to start it. And I've seen this time and time again um, when I'm working with people and they say, well, okay, I want to start a marketing plan or I want to start a networking event or I want to start a client appreciation event. 
And I'm like, okay, but you've been talking about this now for two months that you're going to do this. Just pull the bandaid off, set a date and get started because you, if you just keep planning, it's never going to get done. And now you can't make back those three months that you spent hemming and hawing over whether or not you were going to actually do it. And this goes back to the, what did wine and wisdom you talked about this. I've never heard, it's been a while since I've heard people talk about this, but we talk about, I, I want to make sure I, I give a hundred percent and you don't really, you might give a hundred percent at that moment, but you didn't reach a hundred percent because for example, in 2019, if you sold, if you transacted 80 houses and in 2020, you transact 110, where's your hundred percent? Was it at the 80 or 110? Or is it going to be in 2021 when you do 130? So you may give 100%, but you're not reaching your 100% yet. Athletes, oh, I, golfers, I shot 65, best round I ever shot. That's the best I can do to shoot 64. Right. Oh, so I, I love that, that you can keep giving 100%. By the way, pet peeve, you can't give 110% because that just means you gave 90% yesterday. That's my old guy approach right there. <laughs> you can't give 110. But people talk about, I'm not going to start it until I can do it perfectly or do it at 100%. And I think you explain to people why that number's misleading. It is misleading. And if you think about any project or big thing that you have that you're procrastinating on, we procrastinate for a lot of different reasons. The excessive perfectionism is a really common cause of why people procrastinate. Um, the other is their fear of failure. So if you're too afraid of what's going to happen, just ask yourself, can it kill me? And think of me smiling there at you. Can it kill you? Can it kill you? Because honestly, when it comes down to it, you realize that you're being a big W I M P you're a wimp. You're being a wimp. Stop being a wimp and just suck it up buttercup and get out there and do what you need to do. The other part of that is, especially with social media today, people are afraid of putting something out there that just gets ripped or they worry about what other people who they do not know think about what they did or said, oh, I wouldn't have done it this way or you're an idiot. And they're like, oh my God, that person called me an idiot. And you, the only, the only question to ask them is, do you know them? And if the answer is no, it's like, what do you care Right. Going back to what Sam talked about last episode, her board of advisors, right? There should be maybe a handful of people you really, really care what they say about you or think. Because if you worry about 70 people, what they care about, how they care about you and what they think about you, you're not going to go anywhere. There should be like four or five people that if they tell you that, then it's that. But otherwise, they got an axe to grind, they got an issue, they're jealous, anything like that. But the fear of failures, well, if I start this, like if you and I put something out on social media, we or if you need a coach if, or coaching will help this, and somebody who's been coaching for five or eight years responds and says, well, that's not right. It's this way. Okay, fine. That's your that's approach. Your opinion. There's different ways to do that. And what makes you right? Just because you've been doing a little bit longer than us, what makes you right? Because opinions are like assholes and oh, everyone's gosh. got one. <laughs> but people are so afraid of what, what others, what the world is going to say. You don't know them. When, uh, Becky and I, we talk about this all the time. We'll go shop. We'll be going uh, shopping on, usually we do it on Sundays and sometimes we go to Walmart and she comes, oh, love Walmart. People watching. It's this other than airports. It's the second best place, second best place to people watch. She'll come out of the bedroom. She'll go, do I look okay? I'm like, 
We're going to Walmart, and we're probably not going to run into anybody we know. Why do you care? Why do you care? See, and I would say, we're going to Walmart, and I know I'm going to run into somebody I know because everywhere I go, I run into somebody that I know. Yes, you do. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it's gotten why, to the point where I have to be have to be made up and Are ready to go. Are they not going to buy a house from you because you have a ball cap on, no makeup, sweats, and a T-shirt? If they're going to judge you on that, why do you, speaking of clients you don't want to do business with. I mean, quite honestly, we all judge a book by its cover. We do. And if, and there's different levels of judgment that happen depending on how well you know someone. So if I run into somebody that I don't know that well, but they're a potential client and I'm looking like a big old slob, then that's not going to be as forgivable as if I run into somebody who's in say my top hundred inner circle. So, and, and what I do for a living is so subjective based upon my image within the community. Then let's break this down to personal so, yes. situation Should it matter? or professional Not situation. Really. Do I wish it mattered less? Absolutely. But is it a reality that it matters? A hundred percent. Is that more for women or men? I would say it can apply to both. Now, if I go to three straight networking events and I see you with food stains on your jacket, I, and I may be, I may be the outlier here, so bear with me on this. But if, if you and I are not business partners and we had just met and maybe there's something to do, you know, together, maybe not. And I see you at three straight networking events with food on your jacket because you can't eat a cracker, right? With right. dip on it. I'm thinking, okay, a little self-awareness. I wonder if she knows that or has a problem, can't eat, who knows. If I run into you at Walmart with a ball cap on on a Saturday, Lord, I am not going to judge you. I'm not even going to think twice about that. Bless your heart. You're so sweet for not judging. I think you're just, you're out with but your your spouse. You're you're out with Scott. You're out with Scott and the kids. You're out with your mother. It's Saturday. It's 88 degrees. First day in four. First day in four days. It's not rained. The thought would never cross my mind. See, and we're totally on a tangent here, but it's okay. We can tangent today. But I will put on my nice comfy clothes that look more pulled together if I know that I'm going to be out in public than what I would just wear scrounging around the house. And I will because I know that appearances really do matter. Man. And you have to dress for the clients that you want and the houses that you're going to want that you want to sell. And I think that part of that goes back to. Um, why people say, you know, you're all pulled together and you've got your life. To, and, and it is because it only takes me two minutes to go in and change. I can still be comfortable and in a ball cap. But if I have my nice black zip up jacket versus my Michigan sweatshirt with the bleach stain across the front that I was wearing before I left the house, I'm still cozy. I'm still in my athletic where is this your bedazzled hat? <laughs> um, I don't have a bedazzled hat. I wish that I did because I would totally rock it. If you were coming out of the gym and you are stinky, nasty, sweaty, and that's and you open the door and there's little Miss Whoever, the person you've been trying to meet with for three months, how is that different? Well, I'm still gonna look cute in my gym clothes. Stop. Yes. But you're sweating. But I'm sweating. But they're sweating. They're going into the gym. That's, ah, that's, okay. If we're both at the gym, right. then we're expected to be in gym clothes. But what if you're both at Walmart on a Saturday? But if we're both at Walmart on a Saturday, I still want to look better than 90% of the people at Walmart on a Saturday. Man, okay.
now that we have... I would not not do business with you because you had your, your bleached you Michigan think sweatshirt that, on. But the thing is, is that you might think that, but we are freaking human beings and we judge everybody. You might not realize you're doing it. You might not think that you're doing, but we do. When I'm putting a house on the market, my clients will fight me tooth and nail sometimes and they'll be like, well, what do you mean I need to paint? Everybody else will just know that they could come in here and they could paint this and then they get to pick their own colors. And I'm like, you fucking jackass. That is what you would, that's called conventional wisdom. It's what you think people think, but no, what do people want? They want the thing that looks the nicest for the least cost that they can possibly pay. And that is just human nature. That is why we are drawn to pretty things. It's why people want homes that look like new construction. It's why you want to work with the real estate agent that's the most pulled together. It's why when you're walk, if you're walking through Walmart and you run into four people that are business coaches and one has a nice vest on and the other two are looking like slouches in their pajamas, which one are you going to pick? And I and you're right. I guess with oh, me, boom, yeah, well, boom. I'll say this January. I'm gonna it say happened. Lot, yeah. Yes. I, I guess with me, my I guess my point is time and place. Wouldn't think twice in Walmart on a Saturday. Would not even think twice. I'm just going to state for the record that I want to always be thinking about there are always potential people out there that you could run into mm. and just putting your best foot forward, no matter when or where it's at yeah. can make a big difference. Okay. And you're, right. you're right. You are correct on that point. So <laughs> I just totally disagree with it. That's all I, right. I, 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 I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. I'm just saying I that feel it's for people true. that judge out of context. Yes, and yeah. there's a lot. But, and that's but, what Walmart but we on a Saturday all, is. Yes. And the gym, that's yes. what that is. And we're all Judgy McJudgersons. Yeah, but not at Walmart on a Saturday. Who cares? Anyways, we'll Anyways. move on. Okay. Probably, so, I'd probably have to other, edit 18 minutes. Of no, that was fantastic. We are not editing any of that because Mike told me I was right, and we are keeping that for all of posterity. Yeah, I'll edit that out. Another too. reason for procrastination is when people get really low energy levels, Um, this I know happens to me when I'm not eating right, when I'm not sleeping right, when I'm not working out right. Most of this is attributed to lifestyle factors. There's definitely been times when I fell off my game and been procrastinating because I just feel like total Mm. crap. And you can, you, you know, you can overwork yourself into exhaustion. You can overwork yourself to the point where you're no longer doing a good job for your clients. So taking really good, we talk a lot on this show about taking good care of yourself mm-hmm. and making sure that you have, I hate to say work-life balance because it sounds so cliche, and, but, it's true. but it's true that you do need to be able to take care of yourself and be healthy because the healthier you are, the higher your performance is going to be. And especially small business owners, depending on what you do, there is, if you're a solopreneur landscaper, hey, there's not a day off. Dude, you come here every Tuesday to cut my grass. Where you been? It's Thursday. Yeah, if I'm the client. So as a small business owner, sometimes you don't get that option. Right. And you have to take care of yourself. And then another reason for uh, procrastination. And let's go back to the low energy oh, levels yeah. real quick. Routine, And you talk about the systems and procedures all the time, mm-hmm. but that can work as well on a routine, be it exercise, eating, sleeping. By the way, power naps, people, 
underrated. We love naps. Underrated. 20 minutes, uh, do you wonders. But if you get into routine. But as Mike says, two hours, two hours is not a nap. No, that's not a nap. <laughs> 20 minutes is a nap. So. But your body will thank you. And your mind will thank you if you get into routine. That doesn't mean do the same thing every day. But that just means when you get up in the morning, here's what I do. I stretch. I do push-ups. I run. I swim. Whatever it is. I eat this in the morning because this fuels my body. Mm -hmm. I know I can just do coffee at this particular time of the day. Like I drink it around dinner time. Becky can only drink it in the morning. That's what our bodies tell us. Mine doesn't really care, but I'm not that deep anyways. A lot of things don't bother me. But your body will appreciate that routine, and that will lead to a healthier mind and probably more productivity. You know, every once in a while you say something that just makes me go, Geez, Louise, I wish I was you. You and my husband, Scott, the, your ability to drink caffeine after a certain period of time. Oh, he, yeah. took, he took a five-hour energy shot last night at like 8.30 after we got home from, or right before we went to the gym. And if I had done that, I oh. would have been up prowling the house until yeah. one o'clock in the morning just wired and he was able to lay down in bed after we got home from the gym and took our showers and he just went to sleep like a little baby oh you two just get my goat i'm just not i'm not smart i'm not my brain's not wired that way it just it doesn't bother me so i'll drink yeah i'll drink i'll go home today it's what uh 4 15 now i'll go home a little while and make a you know make a uh, not a pot of coffee but probably drink two cups of coffee it doesn't bother me but get into a routine so your body kind of knows when's the when things are coming don't eat this massive lunch before your big presentation at two o'clock don't get hammered the night before a 9 yep. a.m meeting just little, little things like that just get into a routine and another reason that a lot of people will procrastinate is because they have a lack of focus and goal setting and we've seen this time and time again with our clients, with clients that I've coached in the past, that if you don't know where you're going, then you're going to have a really hard time getting started. Yeah. That would be like somebody saying, I want to go, you know, for a hike, but they don't know where they're going hiking. They don't own any hiking shoes. They don't know how they're going to get started. Yeah. And then they just keep saying, I want to get into hiking. I want to get into hiking. I want to get into hiking. Great. But you have to go out and do some research and figure out where your freaking booty is going to get to so you can go hiking. And how many people we run across that are starting a business in the first year? My goal is to make a hundred thousand. Okay. Small yeah. bites people. How are we starting? Where's the first dollar coming from? Where are you going to start? Yeah. Have you broken that goal down into smaller no. steps? Any Have you even no. thought about if it's an actual attainable goal? Go through, go back to the episode that we talked about smart goal setting mm -hmm. And revisit that because if you don't have smart goals in place, you're going to have a really hard time not being a procrastinator. One of the favorite people I love to quote is the great Yankees catcher, Yogi Berra. Oh. If you don't know where you're going, you will end up somewhere else. <laughs> so true. I love that. So stinking you, true. But it's, it's right, though. You've got in the focus is not is also in the moment but on the big picture which goes back to the 80 20 rule if it's if it's not revenue generating or it's not part of the 20 percent why in the world are you doing it 
if you need it to be done, but you don't want to do it, then outsource it. So all, a lot of these things are connected. But if you don't have an idea where you want to get to, you got to figure out how you're going to get there. Absolutely. The way that we help people to overcome fear and procrastination is a couple of different techniques. One are um, some principles that we've adopted from the book, The Four C's. And that's what I would love for us to cover next. We talked about this at my Wine and Wisdom networking event last week because it's such a great topic for those who are in the process of either looking at and reviewing your New Year's goals or your beginning of the year's goals and and really putting this as the test. Use this as the litmus test for how you're going to be able to achieve those goals. So the four C's formula by Dan Sullivan, it's a really, really short book. You can go online and get it. It's less than 80 pages long, a quick and easy read. Half of, I'm, I'm sitting here flipping through the book right now. Half of these pages pictures. are pictures. So there's the really not a whole lot. It's out, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> if, you want, if you want a copy of my book, yeah. it's full of highlighting dog ears and all my favorite quotes from here. But, but to tell you what a quick read that is, it's not even big enough to be a doorstop. No. It's oh, a absolutely perfect not. read. It is a perfect yep. read. And this book and this four C's formula changed my life. Now, the reason that it changed my life is because I could not figure out how to overcome certain things that I was procrastinating at because I didn't know why I was procrastinating. So step one is to figure out why. And step two, reading this book really helped me realize that procrastination and fear are driven by the unknown and not having enough confidence. So the first, so if you were thinking about this as writing it down, the first thing, um, the first C in the four C's is commitment. Nothing starts until you have committed to achieving something. Mike and I were talking about this earlier about when he was getting ready to do his very first public oh, speaking yeah. presentation what did your coach tell you that you needed to do? I was like everybody else. I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't know when I'll be ready, but it's not finished. I'll know when it's ready, but it's not ready right now. So I hired uh, a business coach, Karen Atilas, who I talked. She's in Germany. We Skyped the other day. She says, hi, she's doing well. Oh, they adore enjoy. her. The girls are loving living over there. And the very first meeting I had with Karen, we sat down, chatted about a couple things. And she said, okay, when's your date? I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, pick a date. And I looked at her and she said, why are you paying me? If you're not going to pick your date, why are you paying me? Cause nothing's going to happen until you pick your date. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the calendar, picked a date and life got real. Yep. But that was the perfect thing to do. Cause now I had a deadline. Now it was up to me and I had to make stuff happen. And sure enough, I did it. I was very pleased with it. It was my first one. I've gotten better since then, but I got started, but I, I, I got past that commitment and picked a date. And what Mike just described is actually he went through all steps of the four C's. <laughs> so the first one is commitment. So that's picking your start date. It's creating a measurable that you're going to go after. The second piece of the four C's 
process is that you have to come up with the courage to actually act upon that commitment. And the difference between those who do and those that don't do is actually getting out there, putting that foot forward and make taking that step. So it's no longer just a word. It's no longer just saying you're going to do something. It's actually going for it and making the action that you're going to do it. So coming up with that courage is number two. Once you decide that you have the courage to do it, you have to find the capability. A lot of times the reason that we are so stuck from doing something is because we we don't know if we have the capability to do it. So either we physically, mentally, um, intellectually don't have it, or it's maybe a contact that we haven't made yet. Maybe we need to outsource something and we don't even know how we would go about outsourcing that. This is one of the things when people are starting a small business and they're like, where do I find an accountant? Where do I find my CPA? And where do I find a business attorney? And it becomes so overwhelming because they don't have that capability yet. So capability is is the third piece of this. And I had that for the speech. I knew what I was going to talk about. I knew how long I was going to talk. I knew the points I wanted. I knew everything I wanted to talk about to tell my story. Uh, And the title of it was, It's Okay to Be a Late Bloomer, because I am in this. Had everything written, but just... Didn't you had, have the date to, to, you had to pick the date. You I had did. to set the commitment. So and I had to go find a venue for it. I had to pay mm-hmm. for the venue. I had to buy, yep. bring in food for the, you know, take care of everybody with coffee and stuff. So there was a lot to do. But until I picked that date, I could have just, I could have still been spinning the wheel. Could have. If I walked away forever. from Karen, we're coming up on a year. I think it was March of 2019. I did that. I, I could still be, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm real close. I think I'm, no. Nope. You just just have to pull the trigger. So once you are committed, then you come up with your courage. You develop capability because the capability only comes about because you had the courage to allow it to develop. And once you get done with doing whatever it is that you set out to do, you have created a new confidence. And this cycle that we're going to dive into deeper um, through each of these steps, this cycle is what is the hallmark of entrepreneurship because entrepreneurs and business owners and people with a entrepreneurial mindset go through this over and over and over. And going back to our episode that we had when we had Samantha on, we were talking about Thomas Edison and we were talking about, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And Thomas Edison, when he said that, what he meant is he went through the four C's process 10,000 times before he found the new capability to make that light bulb work. And you have to be able to persevere through that. The more frequently and closer together you go through this um, system and process, the easier it gets for you to do because it's like a muscle. It's like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. If you only go to the gym (laughs) once a quarter, then every time you go to the gym, it hurts, you're sore, you feel like crap, and you never want to do it again. If you only go through the four C's formula once a quarter, then you don't give yourself enough opportunity to get good at overcoming new fears and doing new things. 
I found a quote here by uh, Dan Sullivan and on this four C's formula. And he said, most people won't take action on a project or goal until they feel capable and confident about it. But those are stages three and four of the process. You can't have confidence until you, you have created a new capability and you can't acquire a new capability until you have first made the commitment and then gone through a period of courage. This four stage process is the formula for all entrepreneurial breakthroughs. That's a great example in business of working backwards. Here's my goal. How am I going to get there? And a great analogy, if you're a golfer, the best way to play a 380-yard par four with no bunkers, no water in a fairway, just a straight fairway, no, no hazards or anything, is where do I want to hit my second shot from? If I'm best from 150 yards, that's my sweet spot, then I want to hit my drive 230 yards. Instead, just, oh, I'm just going to boom it and wherever it lands, I'll play it. Well, I don't have a 110-yard shot. I got a better 150-yard shot. So working backwards, we talk about this all the time with business. Let's work backwards. Great, you want to make $100,000. Great. Let's work backwards. How are you going to do that? So this is from the confidence, go all the way back to the commitment part of it. Are you willing to do that? Commitment is an act. It's not a word. So if you're out there in listener land and you're thinking about something, which you probably are, that you wish that you were doing right now, other than listening to this amazing podcast (laughs) with Wired to Change, are you actually acting on it or are you just playing lip service? And if all you're doing is yapping your jaw and you're not out there actually doing it, then you haven't even acquired, you haven't even done step one, which is commitment. And I was acting on it till I picked the date. Exactly, because once you picked that date, you found out that, okay, now it's no longer, like, it's a real thing now. It's no longer something that you're just thinking about. And and while there was a, we picked the date, and there was a moment of, oh, this is real now, life got a little bit easier, because then it was just putting the steps in place. Find the venue, get the, make sure all the venue works, who am I going to invite, finish up my script, what am I going to wear? I mean, just all, all the things like that. It got a whole lot easier because you get it on paper. It's like, oh, check that, check that. That's done, that's done. Got yeah. a whole lot easier instead of this enormous cloud of I'm not quite ready because there's a – I just don't know, but you put it on paper. Okay, got yeah, easier real quick. Not, not that difficult. Nope. Um, so the first thing that you have to do when you're committing is sell yourself. That is probably the hardest piece is telling yourself – that you can figure it out and you can do it. Coming up with that courage is really a matter of understanding that acquiring the capability is not necessarily doing everything on your own, that there are other resources out there. So an exercise that Mike and I like to take our clients through is if there's something, a project or um, delegation or something that somebody's working on is writing down, okay, what are the other resources that you're going to need or people that you're going to need to be able to achieve that goal and figuring out other than yourself, what are the other factors at play in helping you to achieve that next step? That is really important because you are not going to be able to move forward until the first person that is believing in it and doing it is yourself. So I found this quote and I wish that I had um, a person to attribute this to, but all over the internet it said anonymous. I don't know who this anonymous guy is, but he is surely writing, surely writing some amazing (laughs) stuff. 
You should change your name to Anonymous. Anonymous. Oh my gosh, right? That is such a good idea. So Anonymous said, commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood that you set it in has left you. And I was like, oh, that is so true. That's like last night when Scott said, hey, baby, I know you just got home. Are we still going to the gym? I did not want to go. I'm so glad we did, but I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. But then all I could think is, you know what? You set these goals. You were, you said you were committed to doing four workouts a week. And if you don't go today, you're not going to hit that goal. And that's just playing lip service to something that you said was important to you. And there's a networking event tonight that I know is going to be pretty good. And I just don't want to go. I just want to go home. I got things I want to do. I got some ideas from today and I probably should go. Right. You absolutely should go. All right. Coach Trinity says that you need no, to go. Going. Curse your name on the drive over there. But yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Because, Mike, courage creates capability. Yes, it does. And it doesn't mean that you're going to feel good about it, but you're going to persist until that new capability and confidence actually comes into play. Mm. And that is what the four C's is all about. And while you might not have a choice about going through this period of courage, you do have a choice of whether it's going to be a long period or a short period. So my advice to you as a coach would to go ahead and make that decision that you're going to go because the longer you sit there and him and however where you're going to go, you're just putting yourself in unnecessary pain. No, I may, I went, I decided to go because okay, you told good. me to, and you're right. Great. But now I'm don't only going to stay better? an hour. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Boom, I do. Done. I, I, I do. I'm not happy, but I feel better. Yeah, but you made a decision. <laughs> I did, yes. And half of it is making a decision. Yes, yeah. We procrastinate on making decisions all the time. And all think of all that brain space that could be used doing something different than debating with yourself all day whether or not you're going to go to a networking event. I love the way we procrastinate on making a decision about a decision we have yes. to make. <laughs> which is still making a decision. <laughs> exactly. So deciding not to do something is the same as deciding to do something. Yeah, exactly. And just like we say to about our clients that we want a yes or no answer, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just so much better to give ourselves a yes or no answer mm-hmm. and not leave our own inner voice yeah. to indecision. Because if you're constantly, oh, well, look at that. I just got a text message. If you're constantly <laughs> telling yourself maybe, then you are doing to yourself what you don't ever want your clients doing to you. The thing that we really look at um, when we're helping somebody go through this four C's formula, the next piece that we love by Dan Sullivan is called the 80% approach. And this is the other 80%-ish rule that I am just absolutely enamored with because this is all about why getting started is so important. Most of us procrastinate because we feel like we need to get something to 100% for it to be great. It's a really another really short book. It's only about 70 pages. And it's all about why if you can reset your mindset to just get every project to 80%, 80% of something is a whole lot better than 100% of nothing. And once you reframe your mindset to that, you will find that you get way more projects done. You're getting through your to-do list faster because the only person that knows what that 100% is, is us and our minds. And there is no such thing as perfection. It's like when I'm cleaning the house Mm -hmm. and 
I'm like, oh my gosh, now I need to do this and now I need to do this. And I could be sitting there doing it forever. But if I always thought about, well, I'm not going to start until I can do Mm -hmm. every little thing, then my house would always be a disaster. People would be surprised how good 80% is. Yeah. And if you have not yet gone and found either of these books, you should. Again, The Four C's Formula by Dan Sullivan. Um, The Strategic Coach is the overall brand that publishes these books. And the second book that we love to use is called The 80% Approach. They're both easy, super quick reads. You can find them on their website. You can find them on Amazon. And I kid you not, it will revolutionize and change your life. We recommend you go do that. It will help your life uh, immensely as a small business owner. Get things on paper. Get accountability yourself on paper. We appreciate you uh, listening to our podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.